Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, the one thing is you're looking at the state of Florida and what has gone on there lately. And you're saying to yourself, bubble or no bubble. We don't know what it's going to be. I just listen, I'm losing more and more faith that this thing is going to be able to, uh, to, to, to go off without major hitches every single day. The big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody, give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. Ah. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm good, Max. I need another haircut. That's that's the big thing today is my wife gets to go. She did such a good job on haircut number one. So now I'm like, you know what? If I can save myself 40 bucks every time, like, we're in. We're in. So so she doesn't know, but she's got she's got some work to do today. I think everybody is on that same page. And dude, tell me a little bit how you're feeling right now about this new NBA coming up and, and things you've heard because I know you just sent me a little verb a minute ago about maybe there were some guys who had COVID and didn't and, and and CNN was reporting. What did you hear? Yeah, no, I, I haven't heard anything on that yet, uh, uh, Nick, uh, our, our fearless leader who, who thought he heard that. But I think uh, what he heard was that uh, everybody's worried. Everybody's worried because of you're looking at all the other sports right now. You're at Clemson football, right? They got 20-some-odd players that tested positive. Uh, now you're going to have baseball camp shut it down because they've had and, – and, and, you know, the one thing is – you're looking at the state of Florida and what has gone on there lately, and you're saying to yourself, bubble or no bubble? How the hell are these players who max? The problem is these are young guys, right? These are young guys that a lot of them, we don't know what they've been doing over the last month, two months, where they've been, who they've been around. So when they get to the bubble, we don't know what it's going to be like. I just, listen, I'm losing more and more faith that this thing is going to be able to, uh, to, to, to go off without major hitches every single day. Well, the one thing you hear the commissioner saying is that, you know, once it gets started, we're not stopping. And that, to me, that is, that's what you say. If, and you don't care what players are missing. You don't know who, who's going. That's why I think yeah. that the Celtics, for me, more than any other team, are in great shape because they're not dependent on one player. They have five, six, they have the deepest roster. So I think this benefits them more than the other teams. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I guess you're right. I mean, Jason Tatum, when we left off, was such a star that it would be hard 
to live without that Jason Tatum if you're going to talk about a team that's going to have a chance to to win the whole thing or get to the NBA Finals. But you're right. I mean, you're right. Like, they've got great pieces. The sum of their parts is is worth more than one individual player. You're not talking to Giannis, LeBron, a Kawhi, somebody of that uh, of that nature. But uh, I, I still think to say that, to say, hey, we're not stopping, I just don't – I think that's the right thing you say right now if you're Adam Silver. But do you really mean it, Max? I think that, you know, in this case, maybe you do mean it because I don't think you can do anything else. And once you get started with this process – where else are you going to go? Do you say, okay, we played eight games and then we're not going to play anymore? Some of the things that they're putting out now, to me, are crazy. Like they said they can play a game of cards, but then they have to throw the deck away after they get through playing. Well, what happens between hands? Do you play one hand and do you, you're looking at the cards and you give them to somebody else? Makes no sense at all. So that's why, to me, this year, I think more than any other year, I think they should be a maybe you get two championships if you win this year because of the complexities and the things you're going to have to go through. Yeah, I mean everybody's saying that there won't be a, an asterisk on on it. Whoever wins it all, I, I kind of disagree. I just think this is one certainly for the next like ten years we're going to look at and we're going to say, hey, listen, maybe a team wasn't with it with a key player uh, down the stretch in the NBA Finals if we go that far. I think it's going to be in our minds that we're going to say no matter who wins this thing, but, but they want it, but somebody was out, whoever it's going to be, it's going to be a key piece. We're not going to have every team, um, you know, full, full deck at the end. Well, you didn't put San Antonio. They didn't win three and a half championships when they won that year. That was a lockout. You just said they, they won multiple championships. I, I do agree that, that this year, is going to be different from most, most any other thing. So I think you get a pass this year. I mean, whatever you get, if the NBA is able to finish and yeah. get to the finish line, I think that's really going to show kudos towards the commission. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I know, I know you weren't prepared. You, you thought this was actually my podcast that you were jumping on as a guest. <laughs> so we're going to just go back and forth. All right, we're going to go back and forth. I'll make life easier for you. I don't want you to do too much heavy lifting right now, okay? Thank you, Bob Ryan. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, you know, one of the things I looked at, that the way this season, and we talk about the NBA, is all those ancillary pieces. LeBron has taken it yet to another level in looking like he's the leader of not just the NBA, but all sports in general. He's the, he's the godfather that everybody's looking at. He's the leader of the free world right now, right? I mean, listen, um, whatever LeBron says pretty much goes. I mean, it does. Patrick Beverly's tweet was right, right? Uh, he, he said, if LeBron wants to play, we're going to play, period. And um, the interesting thing I, I, I felt was that LeBron wasn't on that call. Uh, I actually was able to hear a lot of that call last Friday um, in which a bunch of players uh, were vocal, whether it was Kyrie whether it was Garrett Temple, Temple, who I think is brilliant. I actually think Garrett Temple should be the head of, of, of the NBA Players Association. He's so smart. Um, you know, to me, I, I think the problem you face right now is you've got the two vocal people are Kyrie and Dwight Howard, the two worst leaders uh, you've had in, in the last 
10 or 15 years in the NBA. So it's like, are people really going to follow those two guys, Max? I understand what they're trying to say. I'm all for it. I, I, I was texting with a player last night, a prominent player, about that. I was saying, you know, tell me why, tell me why you would have a bigger platform without playing. Because in my opinion, I'm thinking, well, you know what, if you play, everybody's going to be watching you. You're going to have a bigger platform. He said, well, then the, the headline's going to be LeBron scores 30, Kawhi scores 30, this team wins, this team wins. And it's, I said, yeah, but you could still control the narrative. You guys can really control the narrative now uh, as much as anything. So, I, I, you know, I know there's a lot out there right now, and that's the big concern is obviously twofold, right? The health concerns, and then obviously – the concerns from the players right now, which are part health and, and part um, the, the, the whole deal with uh, trying to racism and, and what we can do right now to, to make an impact and sustain that impact and change and everything like that. And I get it, uh, but I still think that impact can be made by playing. Am I, am I crazy here? No, I think you're right. I think from my standpoint, that if you play, I think you put yourself in a position that you're going to have more people listening to you. Um, Skip Bayless, uh, they what did do you a say thing. Now? Yeah, they did a thing uh, that I absolutely, I, I mentioned, and I said, LeBron James, in my opinion, because of, and it was Shannon Sharp, because of the way he's handled things for me, he's become really the GOAT. And when I think about sports, because I think it's a combination of things. And, and I love Michael Jordan. But Michael's platform wasn't like he, – he had the platform. And everybody keeps saying, oh, no, there was no social media. No. There was a there was commercial at that one time, and, and I'm not sure if you remember, but it was a thing with E.F. Hutton. And people say when oh, yeah. E.F. Hutton talks, everybody goes – everybody listens. Well, yeah. that's what was happening with Michael Jordan. When Michael Jordan spoke, everybody heard him. So he had the platform – but he didn't want to use that platform for those social issues. And I'm okay with that. But just, let's identify what happened, really, and when we talk about Michael Jordan. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's not just social media. If Michael Jordan had been around today, it, it, he wouldn't be LeBron. He just didn't have that. He didn't have that wherewithal and want to come out and use his voice to, to try to impact change. You can even see it now with him. I mean, he's still got it, right? I mean, he can yeah. still – what he says is still – the impact can be there. But even as an owner, I mean, he's out, out of sight, out of mind, right? I mean, he's never around, um, doesn't really want that, that platform, doesn't want that role where LeBron has embraced it. And, and I'll tell you what, Max, the first time I ever met LeBron, he was like 14. I think he was at ABCD camp. You could see it then. I mean, you could see it then. But, but, but here's the thing I'm, I'm fascinated about LeBron. Didn't go to college. Didn't get all that formal, what we say would be education. Yep. But seems like just, yeah. you know, a brilliant guy in understanding, you know, not only basketball, but just the world around him. Has he made mistakes? Yes. But, but if you hear him talk, it's like, damn, did he – did he go to Duke? Or did, I mean, I hear some other people going to school. I'm like, well, he don't talk as well as LeBron. And raised by a single mother, pretty yes. much. Right, Gloria? Who Did he have somebody who actually sent him to a school? Or does he have two? You know what the school them? was, Max? Max, you know what the name of the school was? Uh, Nike. Nike. <laughs> Nike was the damn school. 
And uh, yeah, it, it, listen, it paid well. It paid yeah. well. He didn't pay to go to that school. They paid him. And it worked out other than one, one moment, the decision. That was the only time when, honestly, he got bad advice by Nike uh, to, to do this, the decision like he did. Other than that, they've given him pretty sound advice. And now he doesn't even need them. But really, when you talk, though, people can give you advice. But for you to implement that and to use it in the correct way or put that sentence together or put that thought together, which is clear and precise, that is what is really good when I think about LeBron when I see him talk. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, listen, every time he talks, it, it was funny. Uh, the one time – so I, I went this past uh, January to the – seeing his son play at the Hall of Fame, that high school deal in Springfield, Mass., where a kid in the stands threw something at him. And then I went to the, the – when they played that night. You know, LeBron played the Celtics that night in, in Boston. And after the game – and, and, and put it this way, I also caught a helicopter. Took a helicopter from – He wouldn't admit it. Max, yeah. I asked him that after the game. He's like – he's like – I'm not telling you or something. I'm like, I don't, honestly, I just want to know from my own personal, like, how did you get from Springfield back here so damn quick? And, you know, so anyway, so I was talking to him after the game and, and, uh, you know, he, he's, he, he so I asked him, I, I, I said, I think it was like a bunch of 10 year old boys that threw something at your son. I, I couldn't see it for sure, but I'm pretty sure they were, they were on the younger end. And then he kind of went, there were a bunch of people who had left at that point. He had finished the regular interview. And then he kind of went off a little bit off the record about uh, how pissed off he was about no matter who it was who threw something at his son. And then the kid later apologized, I guess, on a video. He was young, and I, I don't think he was trying to do anything um, mean-spirited to Bronny. Uh, but, yeah, LeBron just you – know, you know who reminds me of LeBron? At the same age, in the same stage, Zion. Zion. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, super smart. Just always says and does the right things. Now, Zion's got even more of an infectious personality. Always smiling. Always happy. And that's why some of the crap that, that he, his family's going through right now, I don't know how much you followed it, but this deal that, um, that there's an agent or a marketing woman suing him, uh, down in Carolina, and and it's come out that he's he was living, his family was living in like a nine hundred thousand dollar house in Durham, uh, and paying like you know five grand a month in rent. I hope it doesn't affect what people think of Zion at all because that kid is special. He well, is I mean, that's, that, that to me, that's today's world. You have to pay the price to be the boss. The thing that's very interesting to me is when I look at you and. And I hear you talk about your relationships, personal relationships with players. I don't want you to give me a bunch of who's your favorite, but I've heard you say you had a personal relationship with Jason Tatum. Heard you had a personal relationship with LeBron. Give me some more names that you might think like, okay, this guy's that, you know, I have a personal relationship just to give an inner workings of what your mind is all about and people you deal with. I'll give you a great story. Uh, When I worked at Fox, um, I went down sophomore year to San Diego and interviewed Kawhi in his first national story. First wow. national story he's ever done. I'm thinking to myself, most kids that I interview, their first national story, 
they're, they're excited. They're there early. You know, they want this. They want this attention, right? I didn't know Kawhi. So I show up, and uh, it was noon in, in, in San Diego. Go to the sports information director's office, a uh, guy named Darren Wong, and uh, no Kawhi at noon. No Kawhi at 12.15. No Kawhi at 12.30. Finally, Darren's looking. He's like, oh, shit. Let me call Kawhi. So he calls Kawhi, and uh, he's like, Kawhi, where are you? You know, I, I'm just down helping my, my cousin get his license at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Uh, you know, I'll be there. So he shows up like 12.45, 45 minutes late, walks in like nothing, right? And, and goes through, and, and the interview was phenomenal. And it was really about his background, and his father had been killed when he was, uh, when he was younger at a car wash. And he spoke about it, and he was no bullshit like he is now. And uh, it just said to me right then and there, Max, that this kid is a different dude. And he has followed that blueprint all the way through to now. I spoke to him a couple months ago when they came into Boston. Um, and he really doesn't talk. No media people bother him at all. And he didn't remember me. He didn't remember me or anything like that. It's not like I have any relationship with him. I don't think he's a relationship with any media people. But I went up to him and said, hey, I'm doing a story on your, your, your former coach, Brian Dutcher, at San Diego State. Do you have a few minutes? I went up to him before their, their uh, shoot-around. Uh, no problem. Spent like 10 minutes with me. All the other writers were looking like, whoa, like he, he doesn't talk to any of us ever. We don't even ask him. Um, but again, I think Kawhi talking about other people, he will do. Kawhi yeah. talking about himself, he has no desire. None. Wow. I love that. Is, is you think about, and I, I've heard you talk about Jason. I've heard you talk about LeBron. Now you talk about Kawhi. You, they, you know how many people would give their left nut to just know and be able to just call these people up and how special that is? And I know, I know my job, Max. Like the first interview, I don't know if you know this, first interviews I ever did, I was like 15 years old. Me and a buddy went to the Copley Marriott and we were staking out the hotel. And we asked James Worthy and Michael Cooper if we could interview them. And uh, they both said, yeah, call us later. I think we caught him coming back from maybe shoot around at the hotel the day before, maybe practice, whatever. And uh, so we got back home and we're 15 and my voice hadn't even changed at that point, Max. I, I sounded like a 12 year old girl and uh, we get back home and you remember the answer machines, they had the little cassette tapes in them. Yeah. So we didn't know how we were going to record the, the damn thing. So the only way we could do it with these the, on the answer machine, my dad's answer machine. So we, we press record and James Worthy every two seconds, it's going beep, beep. And I'm, I sound like a 12 year old girl. And we got the dumbest questions in the history of the world written down because we, we didn't prepare for this. And that kind of got me hooked, Max. And, and I've been doing it ever since and interviewing different sports, different uh, levels. I mean, I think I'm the only one who, who can say I still cover some AAU, obviously a lot of college, a lot of NBA. And I love that, that, that you know, I can say I knew Kevin Durant when he was 14 years old and wouldn't say a damn word. And now, has he changed? Yeah, damn right he's changed. You, you touch on that, and I, it makes me think about, did you ever freeze up with the interview? And what was the scariest interview you did? Because I, I'll give you mine. Mine was the first interview I did. I was actually broadcasting. And I went into the locker room with Akeem, and, and I played with the guy. I was like, hey, how you doing? Fine. 
I ain't have nothing else. <laughs> I have nothing else. I mean, now it's like it's like you know holding the conversation. But at that time, the thing I learned, and this is what we'll teach people as being broadcasters. To me, my biggest attribute is to make people comfortable. And what I do is I poke fun at myself. So if I tear up myself, then naturally this guy smiles and we smile, and the conversation gets easy. Give me opportunity. Give me a time that you actually froze up. And you went, oh, I can't believe I was that dumb, other than your James Worthy uh, interview. So the most intimidating person I've ever met is Carl Malone. Greg Popovich. I never had an interview pop. Okay. Never had an interview pop. But I'll tell you this. When I got hired at ESPN, I was at CBS, and I've always been a writer. Like, I never thought, I mean, look at me. I never thought I'd be on TV, ever. Yeah. Right? ESPN hires me, and uh, it was a week before Brad Stevens got hired by the Celtics. So I know Brad, like I, I've known him because I've covered him plenty. I, I was, I was actually at a game his rookie year um, at, at Butler at Southern Illinois, in which they win the game on a half court shot, and what does Brad do? Nothing, no emotion, zero emotion. Walks off like Brad never done. All right, tell tell the other coach, nice game. They can and wash off. I'm like, who is this dude? He looks like he's 18 years old. And like, I'd be jumping around, going crazy, nothing, zero. So I know Brad better than any national media person at this point. He gets hired by the, by the Celtics. I'm like, shit, this is, this is great. Like I got the ultimate in here. Uh, next thing you know, uh, ESPN calls me and I've been on a week. And again, I don't know if I'm going to be on TV or I'm going to be writing. I have no idea my role. We want you to go down and Want you to be on the 9 a.m. Sports Center, July 5th. I'm like, oh shit. Like, I'm not ready for this shit. Like, I, I, I got no idea. So I go down there and uh, Janine Edwards, I don't you know Janine. Uh, she's been with ESPN a long time. She actually kind of interviewed me and made me feel at ease. I was, I was shaken. I was legitimately shaken. I'm like, I'm on Sports Center? Like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I'm going to be fired. Like, there's no chance. Um, then I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more story that I haven't really told anybody. Um, so I'm in Vegas for Summer League with ESPN, maybe year two, two or three. Uh, and it's the year uh, LeBron is going uh, back to Cleveland. Okay. So everybody's on like a stakeout for him, what he's going to do. Um, Anyway, I'm, I'm doing Sports Center hits uh, all day from Summer League, from the Thomas and & Mack. And uh, I was told by the producer that I was cleared for the next day in Vegas because Stephen A. was coming in. Okay, so he was going to take my place. I'm cleared. That meant me and my boys were going to go out. We're going to have some fun, right? We're going to go out, gamble, go to a club. I know I'm too old for it, but you know what? Sometimes you got you to gotta live like you know. Man got to do what a man got to do. Right. So I went out, got, got, you know, got hit up pretty good. Yeah, I got hit up pretty good. And then I, I wake up the next morning. I won't give you all the specifics of how, how badly uh, shaken I was. Uh, but I wake up the next morning in the middle of the night uh, because I had to go to the bathroom to, uh, uh, you know, you know. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, we so I do. check my phone at about 4 or 5 in the morning, and I look at an email, and it says uh, Stephen A. Smith has canceled. We need you on Sports Center uh, on the 9 a.m., the noon, the one, the three, the five, like all day, all day. I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna be fired. I'm not making it through this day. And uh, 
I made it. It wasn't pretty. I remember getting there. The producer took one look at me. He knew I was going out the night before. He took one look at me. He's like, oh, man. I'm like, I'm like hey, can, can we cancel a few of these? He's like, no, there's really nothing we can do. You got to suck it up and do it. And, uh, and I remember going on the first one and then looking at my Twitter mentions. And I remember one, like, vividly. It was like, looks like Vegas has got the best out of Goodman. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. But I got through it, and uh, it wasn't pretty. But but I realized after that, when I'm in Vegas now, no matter what, now I'm not with ESPN anymore. But regardless, I, I got to be a little more careful. Let me ask you this then, as a broadcaster, who intimidates you, or have you ever been intimidated? Like I said, Carl Malone meeting Carl Malone intimidated me just because Carl Malone is a man among men. Frank Thomas. I interviewed Frank Thomas when I was probably in college. He intimidated me. Uh, not too many guys intimidate me. Like, I'll go with anybody. I don't give a shit. Like, I ain't intimidated by Coach K. Pop, Pop would probably, if I had to do Pop on TV, I don't know how I would work that. I, I'd have some fun. Like, I'm like you. Like, make fun about yourself, which is easy for me. I can mm -hmm. do that all day. Uh, but, but there's a serious side, too, because I'm a reporter. So it's that combination – you want to put people at ease. That, that is the number one thing for me when I'm doing an interview with anybody, especially kids. I want kids to look good. That's my goal is to make kids look good. Like I tried that with, with the two younger ball brothers in Lithuania. I was sent there, and I'm trying to make those kids look good. And they don't even want to listen. They had no, no desire. I'm, I'm, and I said to them, like, guys, everybody back home is going to see this. All you have to do, look in the camera smile and give me more than a one word answer. Okay. Give me more than one word. So the middle one was the first one I went up to, they were playing their first game in Lithuania. They got off the, the, their little van. And I said, Hey, Leangelo, you know, how does it feel to be ready to play your first professional game? Good. I'm like, come on, man. Like I'm trying to help you here. Like my job, I'm trying, I'm trying the best I can. And they just, they didn't get it. They just didn't get it. Okay, I, I'm going to go a little different here. And we, we normally do this on the Cedric Maxwell podcast. Give me your Mount Rushmore of sports. Of, of players? Of sports. You get four people, you're building a Mount Rushmore in your backyard, and you're building those, those big monuments of who are those four people in your life. And you can't be wrong. And it's really interesting because you talk to people who are from Europe and they'll go with soccer. You talk to you don't have to have all basketball players. You you can have coaches. I don't care, but you give me your Mount Rushmore sports. Boy. Uh I mean again, being a basketball guy and a guy around here. Um I mean, I, obviously, you got to have MJ on it. You have to have MJ on it to me. Yeah. This, is your, this is your mountain. We don't yeah. care. It's your mountain. Yeah, I, I'd okay. go MJ. Uh, I would go, boy, hmm, 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 hmm. I'd probably go Tom Brady. Okay. And around right. here. All right. And, you don't have to be around here, but that's fine. Seeing it, seeing it up, up, up close around here. Wayne Gretzky. Okay. Growing up. Okay. I'm not a hockey fan anymore, but my daughter's got me being a hockey fan again because she likes it. But growing up, I was a big, you know, big hockey, I, every sport around here. Okay. Uh, so I would say those would be three. Uh, boy, boy, oh, boy, oh, 
four. <laughs> it's always the same people who get to number four. You'd be thinking like, oh, man, I left this guy out. I left this right. guy I left this guy um, Boy, I mean, for my – boy, I'm trying to think. Would I put, like, a Muhammad Ali on there? I don't know. Probably not quite. So what do I got? I got a, I got a football. I got a basketball. I got a hockey. I don't know who the baseball guy would be. You don't have to go. You can go with the same sport if you want to. I don't care. It's your Mount Rushmore. You're, you got the you got the contract that's building in your backyard. So I you got one more guy that one more guy to put back there. I'd probably go LeBron. I don't huh? think he's done. I don't think he's done. I think he'll be on there at the end. I really I do. Think, I think he's gonna I win. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong, and that's why I always tell people when I ask them that. And mine was Muhammad yeah. Ali, yep. Michael Jordan. I went with uh, Tiger Woods, and then I went off the board. I went with what I think is considered the greatest female athlete. I went with Serena Williams. Great one, too. Just Great because, one. though, just because who she is and what she's done, and, man, she's been so dynamic. Now, you so think dynamic. about you think so, about the, you think about those personalities that that we talk about. You you find those small things that intrigue you. You said about LeBron James' smartness. What are the other guys? Give me some more guys that you said, man, I didn't know that. He was really intriguing to me. I, I love the the interview. When you walked away from it, it's like I did an interview with uh, podcaster Robert Parrish. I've always loved Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish was absolutely great. He got to a line where he said he was talking about Michael Jordan. And he said, you know what, Cedric, I was just tired of all that ass kissing around Michael. He said, the only time they should be ass kissing is when there's have when you're having sex. And I just <laughs> I just lost it. But it was just intriguing and talking to Robert Parrish like that. Give me those intriguing moments that you think about guys and go, oh man, I didn't know about him. I didn't that, that was good. That was good. Um I mean, again, I think Brad Brad is a different dude. We'll keep it to Celtics just because you know him well. Mm-hmm. And Brad is so unique. And I, I tell everybody this. It's almost like you want to pinch Brad and be like, are you real? Like, cut the shit. Like, like, there's something there. You've done something wrong. Like, you can't be this good. You you. And I even asked, I've asked, you did jaywalk at one time in your life. You did that. I knew you. And you walked by a homeless man. You didn't give him money. You you can't be that real. I feel like Brad Stevens and Tony Bennett, who coaches Virginia, are very similar. They're very similar in terms of just clean cut, can do no wrong. But but you know there's something there, right? You know there's something there, um, you know, underneath it all. I'm trying to think of other guys. I mean, listen, there's so many guys that I love to cover through the years. Uh, you know, you can go on and on and on. Uh, and then, you know, there's guys you just – you don't like. You don't like to cover them. And, and most of the guys that I go after, Max, are guys that treat people like shit, okay? That's my biggest pet peeve. If you treat your staff, players like shit, and you do something that I can come after you, I'm going to come after you. All right. You know what? You open it up. Then give me your top five. Uh, you treated me. You treated everybody like shit. You give me those top five guys. Most are college guys. Some you're not going to know. I okay? don't re- I don't really care. I want to know who those top five are. Yeah. Billy, Billy Gillespie okay. is a guy who coached at Kentucky for a couple of years, was at Texas A&M. He's still coaching at a place, a place called Tarleton State. 
um, down in Texas. And I, I honestly, I can't believe they hired him. Um, it, it's, it's disgusting to me because again, how he treats people. Um, uh, I, you know, I'd heard Tom Crean, Tom Crean, formerly Indiana, formerly Marquette, now at Georgia, uh, has treated some people on his staff like shit over the years. And I've called them out for it. And, and, and I, I will continue to call my Greg Marshall is a guy I'm working on a story right now, the current Wichita state head coach. They had six kids transfer this year. So I started doing a story on that, why kids were leaving Wichita, which has had so much success lately. Well, it turns out they're all leaving because of Greg Marshall, because of, of, of you know, how they feel he has treated them. Uh, those are three off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of other guys I've had issues. Listen, every fan base has, has not liked me at one point or another. Like every fan base in college. You know, like Arizona, where I went to school, I had to check in under an assumed name years ago. Uh, Kay and I have had issues. Roy and I have had issues. Calipari and I have probably talked twice in the last 12 years. Like, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. What, what my biggest pet peeve is now, Max, in this industry, the people that, that are, are newsbreakers have the most information, right? The Woges, the Shamses, um, in whatever sport. I feel like too many of them will sell out for that news instead of give me, give me your opinion. Like I think Woj has it in him to be the best damn reporter on the planet. But, but now he's, he's at ESPN. He's not writing investigative shit anymore. He's just throwing out there the information that he gets and he's trying to protect his sources. I get it. I get it. That's fine. I wish that weren't the case. I wish people would be more, uh, opinionated, the people that have the most information. Instead, Max, what do we do? We turn on TV and you hear, I get, listen, I called them out earlier this year. You hear like Stephen A. Smith talking about college basketball. I, I don't want to hear that. You don't know college basketball. Shut your mouth when it comes to college. Hoop. I want to listen to you when it comes to NBA. That's great. I want to listen to you, Max, when it comes to NBA. I, do I care what you have to say about football? Not really. I don't. I, I'd rather listen to somebody that knows football. I want to hear that. I want to hear Teddy Bruschi tell me about football and tell me what he really thinks. Uh, I want to hear Schefter. Give me, give me all that information that Adam Schefter has. Give me your opinion on shit. That's what I want to hear. Well, I, think, I think, guys, once they get to that level, though, it becomes safety. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have to stretch out and I don't have to tell some bad news about this guy because I might not get, I'm already getting the information and I can just play it cool now from here on in. Yeah. I, I've just never been that way. That's never been the way I was taught. Uh, I, I was always taught, wake, wake up and feel good about yourself that you're at least you're getting all the information and you're going to say it the way it is. Right. Well, I mean, I'll give you one. You said about people not liking you. The year I got traded from the Celtics in 75, whenever that, 85, um, I went to every NBA team, every NBA city I went to that year, I got booed. Every, <laughs> only, team, only place I got cheered when I got back here to Boston. I got traded to the Clippers, and when they announced my name, <laughs> oh my God, all my teammates did, and I was like, bring it on, bring it on. They would, it was just all these boos and negativity that goes along with it. But I thought it was just fascinating because I, one thing I believe as a, a sports person, I look at, and that's why, again, I look at LeBron and I look at Kyrie 
and I look at LeBron in a sense, and, and LeBron to me is almost too good to be true. He's too good to be true. And I think Kyrie is, can't be that bad. And there has to be, uh, uh, you know, something in between when you think about those players and how they operate. I did an interview with Kyrie, and we talked about and told me a lot about what he did this week so far as basketball was concerned. I asked him a question, and my broadcast partner, Sean, wanted to shoot me down. I said, uh, Kyrie, I'm going to ask you a question nobody's ever asked you. And Sean goes, oh, you don't have a question nobody's ever asked you. I said, yeah, I do. I said, Kyrie, how was it the first time you beat your father playing? And he just, like, lit up. He was like, oh, my God, the first time I ever beat him playing, I was 16 years old. I beat him 16 nothing." And he told me, Kai, you got to play everybody the same way. You yeah. never give a quarter. You always go with your best and go with your instincts. And then Kyrie said, I've taken that and moved forward with things in my life. And what he did this week when he talked about sitting out and all, that was Kyrie to a T to in just making a point and being belligerent about that point. The problem, here's the problem I have. You've got Kyrie and Dwight Howard right now, the two guys who have put themselves out there saying it. Um, again, those are just two guys that I don't have, I don't think have a lot of respect based on their inability to, to, to be great teammates and leaders. Well, did, didn't Lillard say that too, also about he was afraid yeah. to play? And, and you don't hear their names, but those other two names are names that shot out more than any other. Well, Kyrie organized the call. I heard part of that call, Max. And, and again, it was interesting. It was very interesting to hear some of the different uh, – and I couldn't tell. I, I heard the audio, so I couldn't tell all the time who was speaking. But, but most of it, uh, very little was based on, on, on the corona fears from that call a week and a half ago. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell, I could hear part of his deal was, again, yeah, some concern over, over if I get hurt, you know, I'm not making 150 million. I'm up for that. And, and yeah, I, I, I want to make sure that I don't put myself in a situation that if something happens, I'm not making 10 million instead of 150. Million. Well, 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 that makes sense to me. But it, at the same time, Kyrie wants to shoot himself in the foot by saying, okay, let's just sit out this year. And the owners get an opportunity to tear their collective bargaining agreement up and now start all over and reduce the salaries. And now, those guys who were going to make those big dollars like a Jason Tatum, they won't make those big dollars because of the way things happen. Yeah. And what about the guys who are making minimum money who are yes. just trying to keep their jobs max and, and, and thinking, Hey, I got a chance here to, to, to make a name for myself. And I don't want to lose a year. I don't want to lose a year of, of, of my career. When, when I'm not making 30 million or 20 million or but 10, you know, but, but that's, that's the issue though. Most people don't, when you think about NBA players and they have this guy made a million dollars this year, well, his, his, his salary and his lifestyle is probably about $2 million. Exactly. <laughs> that is there. So he's essentially almost living like everybody else in the world, paycheck to paycheck. What, what was your lifestyle like? Like what, what was the most money you made in the contract? And what, how did you live when you, when you got that contract? How, how much did everything change for you? The most money I ever made in one year, I think, was about a million dollars. And at that time, I was the 99th highest paid athlete in the world. In no the way. world. Really? In 1984, in the world. And I was like, wow, that was just it. But 
how did I spend the money? You know, I, I think that's the thing about most players. Like, there wasn't nothing that I did not want that I just didn't buy. Now, it's a different issue now when I look at the Steph Curry's making $30 million a year or signing a, a deal with Under Armour for $250 million. And I see in this, it is really like looking at the lifestyle in the rich and the famous. When I see Curry, they did a thing with him and said he had three or four different mansions that he had, one in California, one, another one in California, one here. It was just, the, the money doesn't even seem real when I think about, you know, me playing because I think about a guy like Draymond Green. That was That would that would have been a guy like me, you know, a, a, a finals in this man made $23 million last year. <laughs> Why not me? Yeah, right. but so I understand the era and I understand, you know, the amounts because when I played, you know, I remember first getting in the league and I made $90,000 my first year. 90000 my first year with the Celtics. So you think about that as you're saying, well, you're an NBA player. You had to be making – no, no, it was making 90000 Then for a couple of years they had uh, had that funny money where you might make $400,000 on paper, but it was it, it was deferred money that you'd only get 200000 So right. by the time the government got to you, you're getting 125000 And so it, it was a really different era when you think about players and what they were making. Uh, you brought up Steph Curry. Uh, I think he's the one guy in the NBA that if you said to me, who has not changed? Who, who has gone from somebody that you saw when they were young and you watch their rise, Steph Curry is that one guy to me. Like, KD has changed. I still love KD. I'll still back him. All the people that kill him for going to the Warriors, I'll still back him all day, every day, in saying, listen, what did he do? He wanted to win. Like, he took what he thought was going to be a lesser role because he wanted to play a brand of basketball, number one, that he, he would enjoy playing, where the ball actually moved, number one. And two, he had a chance to, to win titles. Like, what is wrong with that? What? I don't understand the people that were like, well, he went to the, the enemy. He went to the team that just – who gives a shit? Okay, well, if you say that, then why did he leave Golden State? Because That's you're talking about – you're talking about winning, winning championships, multiple championships, and you're surrounded by pieces – that are unreal. So you know why? 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 I, I think I know. I, I don't know for sure, but I, I think I know. And, and I think he left to go to Golden State for the right reasons. Then he got all the negative pushback from so many people around the country. Yeah. He had never dealt with that before, Max. Kevin Durant could do no wrong. Throughout his entire career, he was like the golden boy, right? Great yeah. kid, said all the right things, did all the right things. All of a sudden, he gets crucified. He's not used to it, doesn't know how to handle it. And, yeah, he changed a little bit, and he said, screw this. All right, I'm going to leave. I'm going to show some people. I'm going to show some people that I can win without these guys. Yeah. Okay, so it's, so now you're saying it was more about ego. I think so. Yeah, I think at the end of it. Because yes. it's perfect. You're telling me, okay, I want to win. I'm in the perfect position. You're in the perfect position to Golden State to be the one of the most dominant playing teams. He, did it. In the he, did it, he won titles. He yes. won titles in Golden State. So then it's been there, done that. All right. You know how listen, we're all like this these days. I've been at think about the places I've been. I started at Fox, spent whatever it was, five, six years there, went to CBS, 
spent a couple of years there, went to ESPN, spent five years there. Now I'm at a company called Stadium, been there for two years. I think it's just the world we live in now. There aren't many guys that are, that are going to be lifers with one organization. It just doesn't happen. Wait, 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 wait. This is where, this is where you know, it's kind of coming twofold. Been there, done that. But been there, done that winning championships. That's a, that's a whole different aspect when you think about guys who played and what they're able to do. There are, there are guys who give their left nuts right now to say, hey, look, I, I'm here in Golden State and I win another championship. Yeah. If I stay here, okay, I hurt my Achilles, and now I'm bringing back Clay. I got the bands coming back. We got oh. a high draft pick. We got one of the best stadiums. Our fan base is tremendous. Why am I leaving? Yeah. yeah. I, I, mean, I, I, I can understand LeBron when people say, well, he left Cleveland to win. And he wanted to go to my – I can understand that. I think it is ego, though. I think KD felt it and heard it so much that you can't do it without these guys. And I think he just said, you know what? The finals MVP, I don't give a shit one way or the other. You're the finals MVP. It doesn't get any better than that. Only person who got, got shafted in the finals MVP would have been me with the award. <laughs> the stupid watch that they gave me. Back in 1981, I was like, this is it? Because I want to go one day. I'm, one day I'm going to have to meet LeBron and have to bring him and say, hey, you got one of these? Oh, <laughs> oh. Look at you. <laughs> and I open up the box and goes, finals MVP, he'll go, what? It was, now that was a fascinating story, I tell you, which was funny to me. Uh, Perk was playing with um, at time, Oklahoma at the time. And I went in the locker room after the game. And, you know, me and Perk used to mess around. We played cards and stuff when he was in Boston. And I always tell him he owed me some money. So I walk in the locker room, and Perk is sitting over there. And Westbrook is sitting there. And uh, Durant are sitting beside each other. And I walk in, and I say, Perk, you owe me some damn money. And they both sit back, and they just kind of laugh. And then Perk says, I don't give a damn that you were finals MVP. And they look like... <laughs> Who is this that walked in here? <laughs> that, that, is, that is fascinating to me. It's just like like a great story. Another one I have was with your guy, Jason Tatum. Uh, Jason knew me. You know, he just kind of knew me like I was that guy, the tall guy around, you know, broadcasting and talk to him. And um, so that week, that was when 30 for 30 did the Celtics-Lakers um, rivalry. So before the game one day, I'm standing down on the court. And he's coming out the warm-up. He starts yelling. He's yelling, cornbread, cornbread, cornbread. I said, dude, what's wrong with you? He said, man, I saw that 30 for 30. Damn, you a badass. <laughs> and I just, that to me, those are things that I look at and I just kind of laugh when I, I think about players. And you think about, you know, your role and now, that our games have been re reintroduced because of this COVID and because of all these other things. It's like people will tell me, I was at the supermarket maybe a month after COVID uh, started and they're running all these old, old games. Guy in the supermarket in the meat department says, damn, that game you played the other day, man, you were so bad. I said, I said that was 30 years ago. I know. That's the beauty for me. 30 years ago, yeah. I've been, I think I told you this, and I know it's like you can't say this being from Boston, but my favorite player growing up, I went against my dad. My dad was the biggest Celtics fan you could find, so I went the other way. So who did I pick as my favorite player? The Boston Strangler, Andrew Tony. Wow. That's he my was, guy. He was a beast. Right? I mean, like, 
For people that don't know, Andrew Tony, like his first step, his ability to score so big, so strong, could score in every which way. Charles Barkley told me he's the most talented player. He says this on the record. He'll say most talented player he ever played with, Andrew Tony. How about that? Wow. Crazy. Okay, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because we have to talk about this because we would be what we call insensitive. And we didn't talk about what's going on right now with Black Lives Matter yep. and your opinion about things and who you are, your background as a person, what you've seen, how this has impacted the NBA, how it's impacted society altogether. So, you know, I, I like what I'm seeing from people like me. I, I do like this, the, the fact that people are paying attention, um, even Juneteenth, like, I didn't know much about it, Max. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't. Well, well, let's thank the president, okay? He discovered that. He he, <laughs> he he discovered Juneteenth. Nobody knew it until I put it out there, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I just, you know, again, out of something that that, that was so disgusting, right, with, with the George Floyd murder, so disgusting, I'm hoping uh, that this can sustain itself. I'm hoping that we can keep breeding change and, 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 and I'm trying to do it even in any way I can, right? Which is my avenue is, is I did a podcast last week where I had um, a black assistant coach uh, from Baylor, Jerome Tang, a black athletic director, Derek Gregg out of Tulsa, Peter Roby, who I don't know if you know, used to be uh, the AD at Northeastern and uh, coached at Harvard, um, also black. And had yeah. a search firm guy, Eddie Fogler, who you probably know Eddie Fogler a little yes. bit, white guy who does a ton of searches. And we talked about why there weren't more black head coaches in college basketball. That That's one way that I thought I could help, right? Help educate not only myself, but everybody else. And I think we all have to do our part in, in the way we can. And, and, and again, to me, listen, I, I grew up around basketball. I grew up around it. So some of my best friends are black. Uh, I consider Paul Hewitt uh, maybe my closest friend in the industry, former Georgia Tech, former George Mason. Um, now he's with the Clippers as a scout. You know and, what? Uh, I, I love what you just said then, but there are some people who will take offense to what you just said. One of my said. best friends are black. Yeah. They, they will, they will, I mean, I'm just telling you what people do. When, when, they, when they hear somebody say that, that's like, and it's a dog whistle to some black people when you say, I know that. I got a black guy living in my neighborhood who lives right across the street. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. And there are people of color who will take a bit. And, and I know you didn't mean anything by it. No. I, you, and, you, and you put it in the right terms, but I'm just telling you how some people perceive things it. when they hear yeah. Listen, I, I probably lost 2,000 Twitter followers over the last month or so because I've been so vocal tweeting about it about everything, everything I can. And, and I think it, it, it's, again, where we live, it's funny because Boston gets such a bad rap. And you and I talked about this on, on the podcast. It gets such a bad rap as a city, but there's way worse places around the country um, than Boston. To me, uh, you know, in, in terms of racism, I don't think, now again, I'm not, listen, I'm not living in certain part. I'm in my suburb of Boston. Okay, so I'm not claiming that I'm, but I, but I know 
I think there's a lot more people in other parts of the country um, that still won't buy into this, that won't believe in it. I, I think that's the hardest part for me, Max. It's like we hear all these fucking stories and still there's people out there that are like, don't believe it happens. Go well, watch, watch the video. Well, that, that is true. I just heard the young lady, and I don't know what her name was. She was just on ESPN yeah. uh, today. Uh, yesterday, and she was talking about things that happened there when she was in Boston, and now she works. L. Duncan, L. L. Duncan, I love her. I and, worked with her. She, she, she was telling the story about uh, how her and her husband went through all these different things, and 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 I believe what she said, but what it also puts into play is that there's a stereotype of Boston. Now I know people looking at me go, well, you know, you're a basketball player, so you know people that, and they're right. People didn't, people would treat me completely different. But I come from a whole nother area living in the South where I knew and I felt and I saw racism. I, 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 I had a thing that I tweeted out that I had a, uh, a picture that when I was like eight years old, I was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And there was a, what they called a black beach, a segregated beach, it's called Atlantic Beach. And when you went down the street, literally, from the beginning of the beach to top of the beach where the sand starts, all the way out in the water for probably as long as a football field, there was a chain link fence, which went out in the water to separate. <laughs> and you're, you're thinking like, as an eight year old, I'm thinking like, Daddy, why is that? Why, why is that chain there? And as a parent, I, I don't even remember my parents told me, but looking back on it's like, how do you even tell your child what you are seeing is and and i live this this particular thing so i don't i don't think about it like this. so that's why i say in boston boston does not have a monopoly on racism no. that you hear a lot of people bob mcadoo one of my good friends oh boston's horrible boston's i've had some of the worst incidents in max how long was mcadoo even here to, to yeah. be able to experience it yeah, but he played, but he's talking about coming into town because okay. he came to town like, like most people come into town. So I, I, I just don't, I, I, I get it and I believe what she's saying, but there's another side that Boston does not hold monopoly on racial issues. Everywhere. It's everywhere. And, and we know that's that. Like, oh my God, you come from Boston, you live in Boston. Oh, I've never seen black people. There's a bunch of black people in Boston. There's a bunch of people of color. I, I think, Max, I think that the big thing is to me, uh, and I know within college basketball, I can speak to this a little bit more. We need the big time white head coaches to be more vocal. We need Kay, Calipari, uh, Popovich and Kerr have been awesome. I mean, those, those two, I, I, let's put them on the presidential ticket, damn it. Like, yeah. like I'd vote for them. I'd vote for them in a heartbeat. Like, they don't hold back. They don't give a shit. And, and I, the difference, I think, in college, part of it is boosters. Recruiting. Well, boosters. recruiter boosters. That's boosters. right. Your, your, your boosters, your fan base. You can't alienate those high ticket price people who put all this money into a foundation. At you some can't point, it. Coach K is 71. At some point, don't you say, I don't give a shit. I'm only going to coach a couple more years anyway. Let me be me. But but again, but, but it's also it's also this. If what if you're Coach K, do you want to open up a can of worms now? 
at your age? Are you thinking like, well, I think I just want to open up a can of worms. No, I, I can ride this puppy out in the sunset. I can be like that cowboy when you see me on a horse and I'm going off in the sunset, nobody bothered me. So why would he want to open up to something like that if you coach K? Pop. If you don't believe it. If you Pop's a military man. Pop's a military man. He doesn't, he doesn't care. He only sees one thing, right and wrong. Right. Coach Kerr with his father obviously yeah. dying, you know, overseas. I, I just, again, I, I'm such a big fan of Steve Kerr, such a big fan, because he, he doesn't give a shit, and he, and he never has. He's always said it. Maybe it's because we're both Arizona guys. That's part of it. I don't know, but I, I just, I love Steve Kerr. Uh, I love Pop for, for, again, for their ability to say, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit who I'm going to fan. And again, you know, like, like, I just think we all need to be true to ourselves uh, and, and true to kind of making this country a better place. And, and to me, that's, that's the biggest thing is like, like, why? The country is in such a bad spot right now. Like, it's so divisive. And again, it starts at the very top. We know that, right? We know that. Hello, somebody. <laughs> get, get, that gas, get that gas cigar, okay? How <laughs> you identify the stars that the does. I think for a while, and I think this is the biggest disappointment to me, in my lifetime, I never thought I'd see a black president. Yeah. And when I saw Obama win and win again, yeah. I thought for some reason we had, as an America, we had mm-hmm. turned, we were starting, not, not turned the corner, but we were starting to, turn the corner just a little bit once trump became elected man we whatever whatever mileage we got we just put we just put that car in reverse and we we ain't stopped yet we just backing up it's it's, it's kind of crazy to see it, it, it is it, it it's really tough and it's it, again it's tough to see him tweeting and just acting like a child and and i think Ooh. again when, when he does it, his base feels like they can do it. And, and, and again, it's just, it's something that, listen, he, he, can, he can do some of the, the things he does for the economy. Listen, I don't even care about that shit right now. I, I care about our country and people being respectful to other, like, I think that is the most important thing that, that we have. And, and it, it, it falls in line with, again, how, uh, black people are treated. That's a part of it. That's a major component to what I'm talking about in terms of the big macro picture of treat people with respect. And I think because he doesn't, then other people don't. That, well, that- and that's why to me, and and I am so American, like I don't want to live anyplace else. We got all these problems, but the simple fact that we can go out and we can protest for the most part peacefully or whatever we want to do or say things on the podcast without somebody putting us in jail or something like that. That's yep. what I mean, that's what makes America great. Our freedoms. For now. It's For like, now. We'll see if we still have yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, it was just like the whole issue about the flag, about, you know, taking a knee and, you know, and, 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 and Drew Brees, let me get your Drew Brees. What happened there? Who dropped the ball there? Because I was like, well, Drew, really? You're going to, you had already said this, and then you did the famous Trump double down and, and came back and said it again. 
I, I just during thought he this, during this time, not not yes, during this time. Didn't you think he was smarter than that? Oh, jeez. Right? I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Even if you believe it, and there, there's, hey, we know there's a shitload of other uh, white, you know, I'll even say quarterbacks probably uh, in the NFL who believe that. Um, certainly NFL players who believe that. But you can't say it even if you believe it right now. You can't say it now, particularly now. What he said before about Kaepernick, kneeling and I wouldn't but to come back at this particular time and put that same issue out there to me just like <laughs> Drew and I guess his apology and everybody should be able to apologize that's how I say it when you say you're sorry you're just sorry no nothing nothing else but don't don't try to backtrack just say hey I made a mistake I screwed up right but a lot of people looked at it that Drew Brees was covering this up because all these sponsors and he was supposed to be NFL. He's going to be doing Monday night football. And you know, those people had to be on the phone going, uh, Drew, we can get, you need to get on the damn phone and you need to do the X, Y, and C. So maybe the timing of it doesn't even make it sound sincere. Yeah. It took, and it actually took him longer than I thought it would. Like to me, I would have thought within the hour, Drew Beach would have come out and said, I effed up. And it took him like, the next morning. I mean, it was like a full, almost a full day news cycle for him. to, And maybe it, he was trying to feel like how, you know, what words he could use. And, and I'm sure he had, a, he has a PR firm or somebody that he ran the whole thing by because he screwed it up so badly on the first go around that you can't, you better get it exactly right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I listen, I think it's hard these days. I think it is hard because even somebody like me, Max, like, I think you know how I feel. I, I think I put it on my sleeve. Like, to me, um, you know, the best people should have the best jobs, regardless of your race, ethnicity, whatever. Everybody should be uh, get along with everybody, treat people with respect, all that. But I think even, even I'm worried sometimes that, that I say the wrong thing, right, that, that I use the wrong word at a time. And it could come back to somebody could take it the wrong way or something. I'm just saying, even that thing you said a minute ago when you said my best friend is black. Yes. There's a lot of people who were listening to this and going, see, 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 there he is. Another I, condescending sucker over there talking about issues like this. I Last have people, before I leave this podcast, I want to ask you one more question. Why has it been that the NBA has taken the lead in all these different things with the coronavirus, with his players stepping out. Uh, why has the NBA been the, the, that, that league which has done it? And everybody else seems like they're kind of following suit or, or stumbling over their tongue. Well, I, I think for number one is uh, the personalities in the NBA are strong, right? There's a lot of personalities. Think about it. As NBA players, most of these kids, uh, guys, I, I always refer to them as kids because I've known them since they were young, a lot of them. But they, they've had the spotlight on them since they were 15, 16 years old, certainly in college, right, where football players, half the team, you wouldn't know if they were walking down the street right now and they passed you. Baseball is a sport that is, let's face it, dying yeah. amongst the younger generation. I don't even watch baseball anymore, and I loved it. Hockey, same thing. Basketball, you know, to me – Again, you know who the best players are a lot of times from a young age. They've been coddled. 
they've had to deal with media attention at a younger age. And obviously you've got the sport being predominantly black. So I think they feel like, and they should, we can make more of an impact than any other sport. And I like that about Kyrie and Dwight Howard. I do. I, I like it. I just, I don't know. If, my problem with Kyrie, honestly, I just always wonder his motives now. I just feel like I wonder his motives. And I mean, is that when they say Kyrie is the smartest dumb guy you've ever met? Is, is that how that goes? Because he's seen, I hate to admit he, it. He's so, I, he's so smart with what he says. And then there are times it's like, it's just like a disconnect with yeah. what's yeah, going he, on. He, he, he's, he's that one who I think feels like he's the smartest one in the room at every time. And, and you see it with his coaches, right? I mean, like, how do you not get along with Brad Stevens? I mean, yeah. seriously, like yeah. that is the ultimate red flag, Max. If you can't get along and play for Brad Stevens, who lets Marcus Smart Jack eight or nine threes a game. Like, and doesn't yell. It. Doesn't, and doesn't yell. Doesn't never. yell at Marcus. Never. Never. As long as Marcus – what kind of shot was that? Yeah, I remember Doc Rivers many times doing that. He, I remember one time Big Baby was coming to the bench, and Big Baby's walking back, and he goes, a three, a three, a fucking three. It's like, it, it was like his emotion just came out. Can I, can I ask you one more before, before you let me go? Sure. Yeah. I, I want to hit you with the final one. All right, in, in five years, Jason Tatum is – blank the 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 what best player in the nba in five years where does he rank jason tatum in the next five years it'll be like 20 what does that make him 27 he's in the top 10 players of the league i'll I'll go further i'll go further i'll say he's in the top three you know, the only reason I say that what has to change is yep. his ability to rebound the basketball. Yep. When, yep. He starts, when he starts that, it's that complete game yep. of rebounding and defending. And, and that's the difference between him and Tatum. I mean, him and Brown. Yep. Brown is more dynamic when he rebounds and defends the ball. That's where he has to grow. When he grows in that, from that perspective, he does become one of the top, in my opinion, one of the top five players in the NBA. If he rebounds the basketball and defends a lot better. I, I think, though, you see a big difference up here with him in the last year, which has given him that confidence and the ability to finish through contact. And I think by doing that, he might go in and do a little bit more dirty work rebounds, right? I think he might, he might feel like he can go in and get some of those boards that he just couldn't get his first couple of years uh, in the league. But um, – and part of it is, too, listen, you know, his role – early in Boston was just to score. I mean, people forget first half of his, of his, uh, of what was it? Two years ago, all they did was stick him in the corner. Yeah. Right. I mean, he just, they sat him in the corner and, and all he did was shoot threes or was that his rookie year? That was his yeah. rookie. Rookie year. Uh, his rookie year. They just sat him in the corner and then, and then guys got hurt and then he had to do more. Uh, but I, I just, I, I think Tatum is the perfect um, forward for this day and age in the NBA. I think he is like the poster child, uh, and he's way better defensively. I give him shit all the time. I'm like, you didn't guard anybody at Duke. But, I, mean, I think I think you're right. I think here's the thing, which I believe he's a great kid, which I think he has to, if he's going to connect in that way, 
he's going to have to go to maybe Twitter more and let people know a little bit more about him because that's just the way it is now in this world. Yep. You know, you know, he has a child, you know, he has a young child, you know, you know, he's a basketball player, but you really don't know his opinions, his opinions, even now with the whole thing with the COVID and then the race and all this, I haven't heard, I heard from Brown, well, I heard he's smart, but he's I haven't he's heard anything that he's been on a, on a TV screen where I heard him just say, Hey, this, 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 and this. This was the, the, the most uh, vocal I've seen him or, or coming out. The strongest I've seen him was in response to Trump's, tweet yesterday where he said Fauci has nothing to do with NFL football. They're planning a very safe and controlled opening. This is Trump. However, if they don't stand for our national anthem and our great American flag, I won't be watching. Tatum responded, give a damn if you watch. Ooh. <laughs> really? So, so you got a little bit more respect for him after that one, right? Let me say, you, you're starting to grow a set there, young man. I do appreciate it. Well, Jeff, with that, I you know I want to thank you for joining me on the Cedric Maxwell podcast. I enjoyed it when I was on yours with uh, you and Bob Ryan, one of my favorites. And, uh, you know, hope you nothing but success over the next couple of years. Have a good one, my friend. Thanks for joining Thanks, me. We'll see each other soon. The big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. Ah.